Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Brandon Palahniuk, not Palahniuk, as I say in the beginning of this podcast, is a Bassmaster angler. He's actually a bloody good Bassmaster angler. He just won the Bassmaster Elite Series Angler of the Year 2022. And Brandon came onto my radar because he decided to post about an elk hunt that he did in Montana. Brandon has 212,000 people that follow him, and he's not afraid to tell his community, that is a typically fishing community, that he hunts. And so naturally, I wanted to have him on. I wanted to talk about his why, talk about hunting with him, and you'll hear the conversation short, sharp, to the point, just like we like it, but it's so rich and so full of depth from Brandon's perspective. This is the kind of person that represents hunting to a T. Brandon, thank you so much, and enjoy. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple, is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Uh, you just took a big swig of, I assumed, coffee, but I was going to say, you do have... Uh, 
you know, things to celebrate, right? It could be a whiskey in the middle of the day, right? I mean, it, it could be a whiskey. I'm on Pacific time, so it's not even noon. It'd be a little bit early to be drinking some whiskey. Uh, it is actually just a, a little cup of coffee, but yeah. Well, congratulations. I heard things to celebrate this weekend. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got all kinds of stuff to celebrate this year. Uh, 2022's been amazing. Uh, seems like I've always got something to celebrate. Shot an archery bull. Damn. And these are not in, these are not in order of importance. Oh, no, no, they are in, they are in order of importance (laughs) for this podcast. Uh, so shot, shot my archery bull, uh, in Montana, uh, ended up, uh, Winning Angler of the Year on the Bassmaster Elite Series. Uh, some of the listeners don't know what that is. And then uh, introduced our first child into the world Dude. this year, me and my wife. So it's been a, a very busy year, very fun-filled year, uh, and, a, and a very good one. Well, Brandon Palanuk, did I say it right? Palanuk? Uh, it's Palanik. Oh, that's the you South African. exactly how it looks. It's the South African <laughs> version of Palanik, all right? Yeah, exactly. Dude, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Um, yeah, thank you for coming on, my man. Yeah, I, I'm honored to be here. Uh, you know, it's it's cool. We did we hadn't even been talking that long. Uh, you know, I I had made a post about hunting, and you'd reached out and said, "Hey, appreciate you talking about hunting on your platform, and uh, let's get you on the podcast." And and here we are. Uh, you know, it's. To me, that's really that's the good part about social media, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the bad part is that we don't have full control over, mm-hmm. and so I can post about hunting, and the two hundred twelve thousand followers on Instagram want to see the hunting content, but that doesn't mean that IG is going to give it to them. Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> Look, the thing is, you know, I'm I'm not in the world of trying to understand the algorithm, how it works, what it yeah. doesn't work. As long as people are talking about it, talking about it in a respectful way, outlining just like, you know, that's why I was so like encouraged when I saw your post about your elk. And I was like, damn, man, this guy, as you just said, is the, he won Angler of the Year in the ba- yeah. Bass Ma- I And I, I have to say it like an American Bass Masters instead of, you know, what I would typically say. Um and he's willing to talk about hunting. He's willing to put out there because, let's be honest, people of influence, you are someone of influence, may succumb to someone saying, oh, Brandon, I don't think you should talk about it. I don't think you yeah. should say anything about it. I have the opposite approach. I think more, I think more people need to hunt, more people need to talk about hunting. You know, there's that part of us that do hunt. They're like, yeah, we don't want more people in the woods. Yeah, for right? sure. We, we, because we like that time to ourselves, we like to be able to go park somewhere and not have other vehicles there. Uh, but I think when you look at our, the kind of the grand scheme of our world and the state that it's in, and I feel like hunting is important to bring us back to what's important, Mm -hmm. right? And the further we get away from those roots of our ancestors and really the roots of human beings, we get further away from what it means to live. Mm -hmm. 
and and people lose sight of that and they lose appreciation of kind of those simple everyday things mm-hmm. that that it means to live and i think that's what draws me to hunting more and more especially the older i get um i i really get drawn into the experiences and really the simplicity of it um of being able to provide for my family so on when we're traveling on tour fishing tournaments around the country my wife and my daughter travel with me and then we got a camera guy that films a full youtube series for us and he stays in our trailer so we travel in this 43 foot toy hauler and what we live on the entire year is what we harvest in the fall Mm -hmm. and and so like that elk that i shot this year that's gonna make elk meatloaf and tacos and spaghetti and like you know that's what we will live on when i'm fishing tournaments and and i feel like that gives me a competitive advantage uh i just i feel better about it i physically feel better uh, and I, I think that's just, I don't know, there's so much to it to unpack. And it's, I think one of the struggles is it's, it's so hard to explain to somebody if they've never done mm-hmm. it. But once they've been out there and they've experienced it, something in their mind clicks. No matter how far away from it they may be, when they experience that, there's a primal instinct in everybody that, is still there that then they can relate to it. Oh, hundred percent. If someone was, you know, slapped in the middle of the woods and they were like told to survive, go ahead, survive. I'm yeah. telling you within five days, you're going to become a hunter. It, 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 there's no doubt about you'd it. Have to. Yeah. You, you would, you'd have to, you'd, because you, you're going to have to rely on some sort of survival instincts and, some people are going to be better equipped to do that than others, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's going to try to do it. Everyone's going to try to do their best to survive. Yeah, I think, you know, you mentioned, you know, posting about hunting and, and, and the woods getting crowded. And there's certainly a lot of discussion in our community around that and 3R and whatnot. And we've, we've done a lot of that kind of discussion space. Right. I I see it almost the opposite. And yeah, there may be a little bit of... When I look at people like you and, and other big influencers, I don't know if you saw the, um, there's a lady called, it just happened yesterday, Natalie Eva Marie went hunting with the Montana Knife Company guys in New Mexico for an elk. She has 5.5 million people. And yeah. Peter commented on her post and she responded to Peter saying, it's because of you, Peter, and you showing the horrendous conditions of factory farmed animals that I wanted to become a hunter. And I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. Like Peter resulted in you becoming a hunter and she wasn't afraid to talk to her community about hunting. And you are the same in that, yeah, it's going to be for those young kids that are following you. Yeah, it's going to be a cool factor, right? Oh man, Brandon hunts, so I want to hunt. That's awesome. But there's also the vast majority of the 212,000 people that may not hunt. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, Brandon hunts. So there must be something there that is beyond just the quote-unquote killing that he does it. I respect him. Hmm. My attitude, my perception, my perspective around this thing called hunting, thanks to you, just shifted into the column of a plus one for us. 
Yep. And that's really all we're trying to do. Right. And I, it, it's not called killing. It's called hunting <laughs> because that's what it is. I mean, and especially when you dive into archery hunting, it's really low success rates. Uh, and so it's, it's so much more than, like you said, just the killing aspect. And if you really, if you talk to any hunter that's really hardcore and does it a fair amount, the killing's usually not their favorite part. Mm -hmm. You know, really, they a lot of guys struggle with that part because they have so much respect for the animal, uh, and and that's why you know the hunting community is one of the biggest when it comes to conservation. Uh, you know, somewhat selfishly, we want to conserve that so that we can continue to hunt, so we can continue to provide. Uh, but, but we know that if we don't put in that work, it's going to go away. Mm -hmm. And so continually, you know, working on those conservation um, aspects of it, the access to public lands and keeping that open to people and, uh, you know, there's, there's so much more to it. And then that's kind of the view that I try to put out there, right. That it's more of a, a lifestyle, mm -hmm. uh, than it is just about the act of like going out there and pursuing an animal. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's so much more to it. Yeah. hundred percent. Was, uh, Jake Latondras one of your cameramen on tour? <laughs> he was, uh, I've rode with Jake several times. Uh, he's been there in some really hard times he's been there in some of my biggest that's right as well that's right uh, do you know jake yeah so i'll send you a link after this uh, podcast is done jake has featured on blood origins so you you don't know blood uh, origins from a bar of soap but so podcast is one of our content streams but what we got known for what we started blood origins as is a messaging platform to express the heart of the hunter to express mm -hmm. the why behind why Brandon hunts. And we film it in a very unique way. We film it very like uncomfortably direct. It's not a, it's not a quarter turn interview. We have a lot of emotion that's built into it. And we typically film people in places that it is very, very meaningful to them. And Jake was one of our earliest episodes. I think he's like number 16 or number 17. We're at number 69 now. Um, yeah. And we filmed him on his on his family property in Tennessee, and he visited yeah. his dad's grave, and he, he was talking about how his dad imbued these things, these values, these characteristics of a hunter into him. It's a phenomenal yeah. episode. I'll send you the link. I, yeah, I I can't wait to watch that because Jake is one of my favorite human beings. Mm -hmm because of like his values and his morals, the way that he views the world and life in general, uh, you know, the way that he fathers his children. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're on a boat with a guy for hours and hours and hours and filming, and sometimes you're not catching anything. Like we have a lot of those conversations and we found, you know, that, that mutual respect for each other through fishing, but then also extended that into hunting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I think that's, uh, he's a very relatable person and definitely one of my favorite people to be around. So that, that's really cool that you guys had him on that early. Yeah. We, he was one of the ones that I just 
as we're just getting our feet wet in the industry, just touching paces with people and his, as he said, as you said, his ethos and his character and his values sort of system yeah. shines through, through social media. And we were like, this is, this is the kind of guy that we want to have on and express his heart. And yeah, it's a, it's been an, it's almost been a passion project and blood origins now is a 501c3 nonprofit and all we do is convey the truth about hunting every single day. Yeah. Like just push this envelope that is people like you, people like Natalie Eva, people like, you know, there's so many people. I, I can probably bet you there's a bunch of people in the Bass Pro Tour that are hunters that don't I say would, anything about yeah. it, you know, that are big names. I would say probably more than not. You know, there's probably more guys in that realm that hunt than not. Um, you know, they're just, I think a lot of guys just kind of grew up in that outdoors community, right? They were introduced mm -hmm. to it through their family or friends mm -hmm. of some sort. Uh, and when our season ends in late August or September, that's usually where guys end up going to, right? They're sitting in the tree. Most of the guys are from the Southeast, so they're usually whitetail hunting. Uh, you know, I'm from the West Coast. I live in the Pacific Northwest, so... I end up going to the mountains and putting miles on, on my birds. Right, right. Um, but I, I, I've got to do some of the tree stand hunting. Like all of it is unique in its own way. Uh, did you grow you up know, hunting? It, I did. Uh, I remember, I mean, there's like some home videos going all the way back. I think to, gosh, I had to have been five, six real early mm -hmm. on my parents taking me out into the woods, you know, obviously the odds of us harvesting <laughs> anything when we're, <laughs> when you've got a five or six year old out there is not likely, but, um, you know, my parents split up early on. Um, they both hunted and my mom continued to hunt, uh, even when she was raising me and my sister. And so there were even times when I would be in school, you know, like kind of the early part of the school year, and I'd get a call over the intercom, say, hey, Brandon, come down to the office. Your mom shot an elk. She needs help packing it out. No and I would way. Get called that that would, they would put that called. over the intercom? It wasn't like you, you yeah. your mom's sick. She's like, no, I need help packing out an elk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, welcome to Idaho, though. You know, we're in North <laughs> Idaho. And I love it. I don't know if they would still do that, but when I was in you know, junior high, high school, they'd call me like, hey, your, your mom needs help packing an elk out or whatever. And like, so... I'd go to the office, you know, get excused out, grab my keys, run to the house, grab pack frames, and then head to the mountain, um, you know, and hike in there, and then we'd be packing out elk. That is crazy. So mom was a huge – is mom still alive today? Yeah. Yeah, she still hunts. Um, they still had set up a, a big elk camp. They didn't set one up this year. Uh, my stepdad, he goes – he works in Alaska, so he's two weeks mm -hmm. on, two weeks off. Uh, and uh that normally they set up this mansion of a elk camp mm -hmm. and like a bunch of friends and family end up showing up you know so it, it ends up being like a community up there uh they didn't set it up this year but they still they both still hunt they fly fish all the time mm -hmm. and, you know it's it, it really is just a lifestyle or like a way of life for my whole family did you are you still in idaho now you said you're in the pacific northwest or are you in yep yeah, I still live in Idaho. Um, just outside of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, so I'm two hours from Canada. 
I'll tell you another episode that we did of a guy out of Idaho. That's probably one of my favorite episodes of all. Or one of, there's so many good ones. Jake's obviously a good one, but it's a, uh, is a war veteran in Idaho called Braxton McCoy. And he got blown up by an IED bomber in Iraq. And he took us into the backcountry of Idaho and we filmed his episode in the backcountry. It was, it was unbelievable. The, 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 the landscape and the scenery was just as gorgeous as gorgeous could be. Yeah. And it, it get, there's some wild stuff in Idaho still. Yeah. It's na- it could be nasty country. Um, very unforgiving country, steep um, and deep, but that, like that's that's what I'm drawn mm-hmm. to. Uh, and that when I try to explain it to people, like they're you know they'll be like, well, "Do you love hunting or do you love fishing more?" And to me, it's kind of equal. And the way I explained it to them was like, fishing, like is where is my heart and it feeds my heart and the mountains feed my soul Mm. and and i have to have both to balance kind of who i am and and when i don't have one or the other i can feel myself like unbalanced you know i feel this imbalance of kind of who i am and and i I need to go spend time in the mountains you know whether it's with a, a buddy or whether it's with my wife or uh, you know, or by myself solo. And, and I need that time on the water. I need that fishing time mm-hmm. because they provide different things for me. Uh, but they together, they form kind of who I am. It's funny. A lot of people, if you look at the literature and the science say that if the mom of the house hunts, it's very, very likely that the kids will hunt. And they'll grow up to be hunters and continue to be hunters. So what you said about your mom yeah. is a big thing. Is your, does your wife hunt? So she doesn't hunt, um, but she's she'll go with me. Um, she'll hike out there. And it's not that she doesn't hunt. It's just that like her brothers, her dad, her grandfather, and they all hunted, but the the women never really went with them. Mm. Um, and so when we got together she started going with me a little bit more and like we've got we've got two elk euro mounts uh that sit in our living room and they're both there because she we packed those out together Mm, right she was with me when when i shot one of them and the other one i just called her and she came in uh you know and it it wasn't like we packed them out and it was sunny and 70 the first (laughs) one i think was zero degrees and the second one was negative nine oh my god they're Last week in November, first week in December, freezing cold, uh, and it, it. But it like, I have to be with somebody that can do that, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, that's part of the reason I love her is that she's up for those adventures. She's tough enough; she can go out there and throw a pack frame on, and throw a hind quarter or front shoulder on, and and pack out with me. And you said you typically finish your fishing season around the August time frame. So do you get a? You pull an archery elk tag in Idaho every year and try and, and, and try and get in the woods that way? Yeah, so thankfully Idaho I can still I can get an over the counter tag. Yeah, exactly. So I can get one nearly every year in Idaho. And then I usually try to draw one in Montana as well. Uh, I used to be able to just go buy one over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as it's changed and they went to a draw system, now you have to draw. So uh, I I try to get at least two of those. 
Um, you know, and then I'll, in Idaho, I just get a sportsman's pack so you can hunt deer, cougars, turkeys, bear, right. or, you know, elk, whitetail, all that. Mm-hmm. What, when do you start the fishing season? Uh, generally I'll, I'll, we'll take off like mid January. Oh, dang. Uh, so we'll take the boat, the truck, uh, the camper, everything. So my wife will drive, she'll tow the boat and then I'll tow the camper. So we've got two vehicles going down the road, uh, and then now our child. Yeah. And so uh, it, we leave in January. We go and like kind of get uh, the boat wraps done, the truck wraps done, all of that stuff. You kind of start prepping for the year, and then most of the time our year kicks off in Florida. So you can imagine driving from Idaho oh my gosh. to Florida in January is <laughs> quite quite the mission. Uh, we'll stop in Texas, get my boat and truck wrapped, and then continue on down to Florida uh, for our first event, which, you know, usually like around the first week of February. Mm. Um, and I'll start flying out to shows in January. So I'll fly. A lot of times I'll work shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You You're know, talking about fishing shows? Yep. Yeah, different expos, and sometimes, you know, a lot of those are just outdoor shows, so there's hunting and fishing kind of combined there, and I'll go do seminars, talk about fishing, hang out with people. Right, right. And uh, a lot of travel. Do you get to turkey hunt in the spring as you're, like, meandering your way back almost northwest? Every every once in a while, um, you know, our, most of all of our tournaments, if you drew a line from, like, Minnesota straight down to Texas – Pretty much everything is east of that. Okay. Um, okay. And, and, you know, most of that being, you know, further in the southeast of, of the United States. So we we fish a lot, Tennessee, North Alabama, mm-hmm. Florida, the Carolinas. And then kind of as the year goes on, we'll kind of make our way up into upstate New York a lot of times mm-hmm. in Michigan and kind of the northern parts of the country. But yeah. I get invited every once in a while to go do some turkey hunts uh, in the spring, you know, with different people that are around the country. Sure, sure. Yeah, I've uh, I've certainly experienced turkey hunting, and I'm definitely afflicted. I have the disease. Um, yeah, it is. they're like a they're like a they're like an elk um, in a smaller package. Yeah, the, the other but, people say on the other way around, elk hunting is like turkey hunting on steroids. Yeah, yeah, because most people haven't done the elk hunting. You know, there's a lot more people generally have done turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you grow up, like, in North Idaho, the turkeys aren't real smart, and there's a whole lot of them. <laughs> and, and so, like, the desire to go shoot the turkey is like, I could kill 10 of them on the way to work driving my truck down the road. Like, <laughs> they're just everywhere. Send uh, those coordinates, get... please. Send those coordinates. Yeah, yeah. I need an Idaho turkey. Yeah, I mean, not half the year I'm cussing at them in my yard because they're taking a dump all over my yard and my driveway. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. I, I, um, yeah, I, every time I, I can, I'll go turkey hunting. It's just, uh, and I have yet to experience the whole like true, like super Jurassic Park bugling of elk. In September, oh. I've just never experienced that. I've been elk hunting once, bow hunting, and it was a five-day hunt yeah. opening afternoon with like eight minutes left of light 
the, an elk popped into the meadow at like 800 yards. I was sitting over a wallow and that was like at 731 and at 734, he was 34 yards from me. Yeah. And it's amazing how fast they can I travel. drew back earlier that day. I told myself, you have to, you have to, um, raise up because my arrow was going to, was just at the top of my, the blind that I had brushed in. And in the moment I completely forgot. And it yep. sounded like a, a bullwhip cracking once I released the arrow oh. and the elk ducked like a whitetail. Like, yep. and then my arrow actually sailed over its back hip. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and uh, five days later, I did not see another. I saw a lot of elk. I did not get another opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times that you're hunting the entire month of September for one opportunity. A lot of times. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're doing, you know, self hunt public land type stuff, like, it can be really, really tough. Uh, and you're just getting those opportunities are not, not easy. Uh, but there is nothing like a pissed off bull that is screaming his head off that wants to fight you. <laughs> there is, we, uh, we actually filmed, uh, the guy that films all the fish and stuff for me, he went with me on the elk hunt when I shot it this year. And we've been talking about filming. Was it, has he ever hunted? Has he ever filmed any hunts himself? No, he's hunted. He's killed some. Okay. Um, so he knew what to I expect. Mean, Cause some, yeah, some cameramen are just like, here. you don't, they don't know what they're getting into when they're like, yeah, I can yeah. film that. Yeah. He had never been on an archery hunt like that where, and you know, day one, typical elk hunt, you walk 10, 12 miles, don't see anything, mm -hmm. don't hear anything. Uh, but we, we got out of the woods like right before dark and I'm like, Hey, let's just go check a few more places. We hopped in the truck. I'm like, we're going to go bugle down some of these drainages and just see if we can get a clue for tomorrow. And sure enough, we got in this place and I heard one fire off. Like, you know, he was several miles away, but it could just pick him off and he was responsive. I'm like, that's where we're going tomorrow. Um, and, and where he was that evening versus where we found him the next day, uh, that herd had already moved several more miles that evening um so we found ourselves you know an extra three miles in there which in elk terms isn't that far but it was it was a really cool experience because he got to really understand and like see how those elk move mm -hmm. and we got to play with that played the chess match i always call it a, a, like for a sure. chess yeah, match yeah, right? for sure. and uh we got to play that chess match for about an hour before we were able to finally get that opportunity. And then, then um, you have and, to tell him that you're going to put 120 pounds on your back. And Yeah, and I got to give him credit. Like, he didn't, you know, he just had his camera backpack. And he's like, I'll just throw my camera stuff out. I'll carry it. And he's like, throw a hindquarter in my backpack. Nice. Um, so, and we, we wanted to do the least amount of trips as possible. So... I did a hindquarter and the head and he threw a hindquarter in his backpack and just like army carried a front shoulder on his shoulder and then carried his camera gear out. It was, that's was pretty awesome. Oh man. That's amazing. Amazing. Brandon, yep. in the world that you live in, 
you know, you interact with some pretty big people. I think you've already said it, but just are you are you finding that people would are maybe in the fishing community it's a little different. Are you finding that the people of influence are reluctant to talk about hunting? Do people talk about the whole uh, like canceling the cancel culture, the whole like hey, don't say it because x y z you may lose sponsorship monies, that kind of thing i I think it just depends on the person. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's an individual thing. And it, to me, it's, it's really just becomes fear-based. Right. Where, you know, someone is afraid of showing who they really are, what they really enjoy, because they're afraid of losing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind of the approach that I have is that if you're not willing to accept me for who I am, then I don't want to work with you, right? If we're talking sponsorship based specifically, like this is who I am and this is the lifestyle that I live. And when I, when I do sponsorship deals and things like that, I want those people to be people that kind of view the world in the same light that I do, because I don't want it to feel like a job. I didn't start fishing and want to fish for a living for it to feel like I was working a job, like I wanted to enjoy it. And so if you surround yourself with people that enjoy the same things, then it's a lot easier to enjoy that, right? Those conversations are, are easier. Uh, but you do run into uh, situations where people are maybe not willing to talk about certain things like hunting. And uh, I think in the in the fishing community, it's pretty widely accepted Mm -hmm. um for the most part Uh, you know there's there's definitely like little subcultures within that that maybe aren't exposed to Mm -hmm. it right maybe some of the fishing community in southern california is not as exposed what about some of those some of the japanese fishermen they'd be pretty i wonder if they would be interested in hunting so they they're not as exposed yeah. to it, right? So like they don't they don't get to grow up hunting. Uh, but I've I've never talked to any of those guys and and them had a negative light sure, sure. on hunting. Uh, and I, I think a lot of that comes from their culture and like how deeply rooted they are into, uh, you know kind of those traditions and that culture. And so they have a level of respect for those types of things, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of that connectedness that you get with mother nature mm-hmm. and things. Uh, and I, I've done some trips and I mean, I've, we've made meals for some of the Japanese guys on tour with the elk that we've shot. Awesome. Right? We've, we've shared that with them and then, it's it's awesome when you feed it to them for the first time because they're you can see their face light up right and they're just like oh they, <laughs> a lot of times they uh, some of the guys we've given it to right like we can't I can't speak hardly any Japanese uh, and a lot of these guys when I first meet them they don't speak English very well and so you're you're talking through facial expressions and uh, you know these other languages that aren't verbal mm-hmm. and it you can tell how much they enjoy it and uh and you were able to communicate enough to explain to them you know you can show them pictures like hey this is this is the animal that i harvested this is what you're eating and 
they think that that's a really cool thing. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And that's exactly, you know, sort of highlights your character, my man. It it highlights your values and, and being able to share this thing that you love so much. Yeah, you get to share fishing, which is your heart, as you said, with millions and millions of people yeah. on tour. And you get to share your soul with certain individuals through the food, through the acquisition, and then, you know, through you posting on social media. Um, mm -hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. And, well, and it's all just one big circle, right? I mean, you just, you're trying to build this community of people and just create this understanding of what, what I feel like the best life is that you can live. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't have to be exactly to, you know, someone doesn't, there's no playbook for how we should live our lives and everyone's going to have it a little bit different. But I think there are certain fundamentals like that that kind of ground you and keep you connected that provide a more valuable life. Um, not, it doesn't have to be monetarily, it doesn't have to be a, a money thing or, you know, physical items, but where people are like truly happy, uh, a lot of those things come from not being so disattached you know from all of these things yep that are that are really engraved into who we are right like the things that make us human beings couldn't have said it better myself my man and i say those things yeah. every single day so yeah um man i'm just i'm i'm proud to know that you're a champion of ours um thank you for being a champion of ours um of if there's anything we can do, Blood Origins, I can do for you in the future, um, we'd love to, man. And uh, if you yeah. hang around with people like Likewise. Jake Latondras, um, you're good in our book. So, Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Yeah. If there's anything I can do to help you guys out, uh, more than happy. Right? I mean, we're, we're all on the same page. You know, we're all kind of fighting the same fight. And I hate, I hate even calling it a fight <laughs> because it shouldn't be a fight. Um, you know, but we're, we're fighting for the things that we believe in and the things that we believe will ultimately make this world a better place. Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with you. I don't think we should call it a fight, though, you know, it, it sometimes feels that way. But rather, it's just a, it's an educational campaign on yeah, removing 100%. misinformation around who you are, who I am, and what hunting does for wildlife, for people, and economies all around the world. Yep. I agree, 100%. Best way to put it. Well, thank you, my man. I'll let you get back to your beautiful Idaho landscape and your beautiful baby and your wife. And I uh, appreciate you taking time because you sent me an email at like freaking 12 a.m. I was like, man, this guy doesn't <laughs> even sleep. He sleeps less than I do. Well, yeah. Well, I mean... It was only like ten or ten thirty my time, but you couldn't. You uh, could have just left it out there. Twelve a.m. It's fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to make people think <laughs> I was more than what I am. <laughs> All right, my man. Thank you. Yep. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening. As always, leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.